Live from Petco Park in San Diego, California, it's the Hardcore Husky Podcast. We're coming to you live from the 2021 Holiday Bowl matchup between the UCLA Bruins and the NC State Wolfpack. We're here in the parking lot in E1. Derek Johnson, Joey Dangerously, Willie Doog, and special guest Purple Bays. There's nobody else here right now, but I'm sure the crowd will be arriving any minute. We will be talking Husky football. Hot minivan and Uber talk with Purple Bays. Willie Doog will give updates from his Twitter guy, and Joey will be unveiling his 2021 all-fake tough guy team. And gentlemen, and I use that term loosely, how is everybody doing this holiday season? Uh, Willie, we will start with you, your thoughts on Husky football and the new coaching staff of head coach Kalen DeBoer. I'm doing well. Uh, you know, aside from not being exceptionally enthusiastic about our new coaching staff, you know, I once again, you know, got to be thankful this holiday season to say, thank God Jimmy fucking Lake isn't coming back next year. Uh, I like DeBoer. Uh, I love the Courtney Morgan hire. I think that's an amazing hire. I think that's the kind of thing that they need and they haven't done in the recent past. Other than that, I'm pretty, you know, indifferent at best about what the rest of this, how the way they filled out the staff, you know, offensively, I was fine with them bringing just about anybody over from Fresno, maybe even the whole staff because I trust their offense. I know that's what they're going to hang their hat on. They need guys who can know how to run that. I'm fine with all that. (laughs) Retaining Adams and Huff is very mystifying to me. Huff more so than Adams, um, even though I'm not – I'm very lukewarm on Adams. Both are guys who are, you know, I feel like getting – get a lot of credit for being great recruiters who have brought in these supposed great recruits, and none of them have been good, which to me either means they can't develop talent or they can't identify – they are signing guys who aren't as good as they're supposed to be. Uh, defensively, it just all kind of seems like that's where I'm a little more concerned. Uh, other than the defensive line coach, who I, I did like that hire, uh, I like his track record, especially with what he did at Wisconsin. I, I, I'm not overly enthused about bringing a bunch of Fresno State guys, including the defensive coordinator. I know this is going long, but <laughs> the defensive <laughs> coordinator, who I believe has been a co-defensive coordinator before and then kind of got demoted. I mean, we've seen that with Bob Gregory before. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty lukewarm on the on the on the uh, how they filled out the coaching staff after they hired DeBoer. And, and Joey, what about you? Both in what's what's uh, going through your mind as well as reflecting on what uh, Wooly just said. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm pretty mystified at Adams and Huff being retained. I I, I know I you know we could let it play out. Um, based on the fact that, you know, the just the, the whole aura of the team just sucked, sucked whatever life out of the program, you know, and I, I, I suppose it's hard for, uh, you know, e- even coaches, it's human nature for them to show signs of quit. Um, the, 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 only, the only beef I got with Brechterfield is, uh, you know, he coached at Vanderbilt. I don't know what – what led him to Vanderbilt? Uh, I think that's just a, a fucking dumpster of a program. Hey, it's an SEC team. <laughs> like they were tweeting. You know, uh, Wooly Dude was in Tennessee in like April or May, and he said he was in a restaurant or cafe, and there were guys in there talking Vanderbilt football. So 
I don't know, man. <laughs> I wanted to move there immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty important because apparently um, a guy, a guy I definitely just by the look who I, I can definitely hang out with uh, is Chuck Morell. Uh, he's a guy. Uh, he's a guy who looks like uh, you know you'd pass him driving a log truck in Darrington somewhere. <laughs> I, I, I mean, <laughs> that guy. What about our like, serial uh, killer? Oh, Grub. Grub, yep. Grub also uh, looks looks like he he could drive. <laughs> Grub looks like he's driving a free hugs and candy van in Darrington somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah uh, the, um <laughs> I like I like the secondary coach has a has a nickname. <laughs> it doesn't it seems like every secondary coach has to have a nickname. Uh Juice Juice Brown. So yeah, I'm I'm a little I, I I'm with uh, Wooly Duke. Um you know, I'm a little lukewarm on the coaching staff, but um, yeah, the the offensive staff, I you know, I'm sort of excited about minus Huff and Adams. I, uh, you know, are they still on their same contracts that they had signed? You know, their extensions. So are they on one year deals? Basically, it's a great question. I don't know. Yeah, because I I I was just uh, just dawned on me. Uh, I haven't seen nothing, you know, unless I missed it skimming over uh, articles and announcements. Um, hmm. And we, you know, I, I I know I'm rambling on, but it's fine. There's no one here in the parking lot yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I will say this: like one of the biggest shocks of this winter in the last month was a post by Purple Bays where, uh, Bays, you announced you are re-upping on your season tickets, and I I couldn't believe it. Um, you want to talk about your rekindled passion for Husky football? Oh, that's such a huge why. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I haven't watched a Husky game since Oregon two years ago. That, that pretty much, like, broke my back. What and, is that? Uh, I have no that's, idea uh, what that is. That's the, the, that's the UCLA marching band. Here they come. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, I'm kidding that Baze is not re-upping. Um, I'm I'm trying to I'm really trying my very best to 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 get into Husky football like I used to be. Uh, I know Baze is kind of going the opposite direction. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not at all invested as far as like buying tickets or buying merchandise or just getting sucked back into it. Um, just burned out, you know. Uh, Pete's burnout also burned me out. Um, and uh, uh, as far as DeBoer goes, um, I, you know, I know he's been successful and I watched the press conference and uh, just, you know, what I like about him, uh, not knowing really much else is that he he doesn't come across as being somebody who's arrogant which is great i mean uh, the previous mm-hmm. coach uh, was definitely uh very much on the arrogant side and he doesn't think he's the smartest guy in the room he is always learning and he's always trying to get better which uh 
you know, that's what you want. And also that'll trickle down to everybody else in the, in the team. So a um, couple of just positives about him. Um, as far as like the rest of the coaching staff goes, uh, I can't really add more to what uh, Joey and Wooly uh, talked about. And um, honestly, I thought he was going to, I thought the board was just going to just get rid of the entire, you know, staff under Lake and uh, just bring in all of his guys. So, Retaining those two guys, and I, I know everybody's been down on Huff. Uh, retaining those two guys is kind of weird, but uh, kind of have to trust that he knows what he's doing. I mean, you know, not to make a joke, I, I trust the coaches, but you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you, you just have to, you know, you, you got to hand him the keys and see what he can do with it, and if he can get productivity out of those two guys who floundered under the previous administration. I don't know. Maybe he can get something out of them. Uh, so I, I just like the like uh, the, the attitude that DeBoer brings with his just being positive and also just not, you know, thinking he's the smartest guy. And he, he doesn't think that he just arrived, you know. I think I think Lake just felt like, oh, I got the job. I arrived. I'm going to my, pat myself on the back and uh, – you know, I'm set. I'll just put this in cruise control, and it doesn't work that way. So that's kind of how I see it. Well, as we have long said for many years now on Hardcore Husky and even going back to the days of HuskyHalfBrains.com, it's like we always say that it, it starts from the top. Everything starts from the top, and then uh, you could have assistant coaches that can be fantastic and world beaters under one guy and look like shit under somebody else and it's uh, all based on the tone set by the, the head coach. So that's basically what I'm currently hanging my hat on right now in regards to, <clears throat> excuse me, Kalen DeBoer and, um, and, and trying to have some uh, hope and excitement. And, um, you know, there were multiple guys when all the uh, speculation was uh, flying uh, through the, uh, the airwaves and on the boards right after DeBoer got hired about the different assistants that he might be able to lure or poach from different programs and really set up something here. And it seems like he took a couple of swing for the fences and uh, came up empty. And then he started just bringing in his Fresno guys and, uh, and uh, one or two Indiana guys from his stop there. And um, so um, the one thing is he's, he has established a, a winning attitude in a, in a winning environment uh, where he's been. So, um, you know, at least there's a track record there and something to go on. Uh, and at the same time, like I've said on the boards, though, not to be a, a Debbie Downer or whatever, but um, it just feels like we, we as a program, once again, kind of went went on the cheap. And <clears throat> you can't, as an athletic director, you can't make public statements that uh, resources are, are are not an issue, and that we you know, were prepared to get you know the very very best. And then you hire a coach for three and a half million. And and you don't you don't get a cream of the crop kind of guy. So that that part is just a little bit again disappointing. And uh, but you could just hope that the, that DeBoer brings enough to the table that um, he situates situates himself here nicely and sets some roots and, and sets the right tone and gets things going. Uh, we won't really know about recruiting uh, for probably another year. To, to be able to adequately judge him because he was behind the eight ball and, and the disaster that was left uh, with the, the whole Jimmy Lake, Jen Cohen situation here. And so it's a long-winded way of saying I'm going to do my very best to try to be hopeful here and see 
the positives, but it seems like we don't have a lot of talent on this team, and a lot of the talent that we do have is either heading for the NFL draft or they're portaling out. Um, and what I saw from uh, – let's talk for a minute about the Sam Heward situation because there's been talk on the boards and stuff, but, I mean, let's get some quick thoughts from, from each of the four of us. I don't see anything there that – indicates a flash of brilliance that he's going to be a big-time player. <clears throat> um, Joey, what are your thoughts? We'll start with you there. Yeah, same here. I I didn't see I didn't see anything from uh, you know the any of the times he. I know he got thrown in some really shitty situations, but but come on, there's fucking five-star quarterbacks all over the country you know, four-star, three-star freshman quarterbacks all over the country that come in and play um, with their hair on fire their freshman year and show something. And I don't know, it looked like he wanted to throw a fucking fade pattern a lot, Just, you know, every time he dropped back and threw the ball. So It's a pretty ball, but... Oh, it's a very pretty ball, you know, but it's not seven-on-seven... <laughs> you know, at, at a Popkini stadium anymore. Willie, do I you know, echo those I thoughts? Or? I, I know that's oh. Bothell stadium. That's just the first one that came to my head. No, I know. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I let it go. <laughs> we knew what you meant. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he ever set foot in there unless it was for some sort of camp. I'm really? a little more optimistic. Yeah, I'm a little uh, more optimistic. I mean, I went back and watched his plays on the Apple Cup to see his throws. And, I mean, I think part of the problem is if you're, a, you know, a traditional drop-back passer, it's a lot harder to show, you know, what you can do early, you know, than a guy who is mobile. Because a lot of guys who are mobile, they get out there and the defense isn't prepared for them. And right away they can run and they can make plays like that and they can improvise. But if you're – a drop back passer, you really need more time. And, you know, you're really, you're kind of t- attached to the system and your receivers too. So, I mean, I think you would need, I think he's definitely a guy who you're going to have to need to see game action with, with, with his receivers and in a scheme. And I don't think he had a good scheme and I don't think he had any connection with his receivers uh, in, in the limited time. And I don't think he was put in, in the right spot, but I, I didn't see anything. He had some good throws. He also had a couple really bad reads uh, you know, I mean, you're making your first start in a big high-pressure game like that, kind of. Uh, it, 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 that looked really bad, but, you know, I'm not willing to sell everything on him, but I'm very wary. Um, you know, I'm, I'm also, you know, specifically in college, I just – I guys with no mobility, and I, I know he's not like a – he's not like Nick Foles or <laughs> – someone who just has no mobility. I think he has a little bit, but like guys who don't aren't legitimate dual threats in college. Uh, if they're not, you know, if they're not playing on a team that has, you know, a lot of NFL receivers and a good line, I'm just not that big on them right now. So I don't love what he brings to the table just as like a player profile. And before we, uh, we get Bayes' thoughts, I just want to say that, um, I think that all of us would agree that Brock Heward is not like a legendary quarterback in the annals of Husky football, but he was a good quarterback. 
But if you guys remember when he was a freshman and uh, he played his very first game against Arizona State, do you guys remember that in 90, was it 96? And the Huskies were down yep. like 40, 42 to 21, I think. And he led a big rally to tie the game. And then Arizona State won on a last second field goal, as I recall. Um, but there was really, there was something there. And uh, even I remember my dad after the game, and even though it was a loss, and my dad was like, he's usually very, you know, soft spoken and stuff. And he was, I was, we watched it at his house and he was walking through his house yelling Brock baby. <laughs> um, and he was there. You, you saw something there and you, something that gave hope for the future um, in terms of what he might be able to deliver in the seasons to come in the games to come. And, um, uh, and, and with Sam, I just never saw that. And the one thing I would say in Sam's defense though, is that, the majority of his coaching he received was from uh, John Donovan. <laughs> so, um, you know, he's got to be cut some slack there, I think, but, uh, uh, Basie, what, what do you, well, you didn't see any, you didn't see any games. So <laughs> no, but I, I, you know, try to keep track of stuff on the board, even though I, I mean, I'm really busy with work and also my personal life. I've had a lot going on, uh, good positive stuff, but you know, just, um, I was just actually going to mention the same stuff you did. Um, uh, he he had a shitty offense and he had a shitty offensive coordinator. So with with Grub and a real quarterback coach and a real system in place, um, who knows? Um, you know, I I'd be one to say, hey, let it play out. Um, let let's see what they can do to develop him and uh, and. With that said, I know that uh, some guys just come out of high school and they, they just have it, you know, and maybe Sam doesn't have it, but does it mean that he can't be developed? Um, I think he can be. I mean, if he's, he's a talented athlete, I think he can be developed into uh, being, a, being a good, effective quarterback for this team. So um, I, I'm in the uh, LIPO camp right now with him. So uh, – Blake's team, you know, he lost his team and he had a, you know, he had a, he hired a freaking janitor from the Jacksonville Jaguars to, to be his uh, <laughs> offensive coordinator. So, uh, you know, he really, Heward really didn't have uh, much to really go on. And uh, he, it was a disservice to him that he just didn't have a real, uh, not only head coach, but offensive coordinator. And um, I'll just leave it at that. I can't remember if it was Coker or if it was somebody else, uh, back to pack or somebody, but they used to go on and on about the high school uh, footage of, of Sam Heward and how he could fit the ball in such a tight window. But then as Joey was saying a, a couple of minutes ago, um, his he seems just in love with the fade, the deep fade, and, and he didn't, never looked comfortable uh, throwing into the middle of the field and, and intermediate routes and fitting the ball into tight spaces and stuff. He never looked the least bit comfortable if anybody's got a comment on that did you did okay did he look at all uh okay caleb williams from oklahoma is he ready to go out there and and fucking play this year well that's pretty obvious right looked looked pretty damn good didn't he Mm-hmm. so so they were ranked like uh sam was uh was he right underneath him in the quarterback rankings? They were like know, right, one and two, I think. They were like one and two. I think Williams was like the number one dual threat, and then Sam was like the number one pocket passer, basically. Yeah, Caleb Williams looked like a 
uh, kid that wants to go out and play some fucking football. And Sam, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, we could blame John Donovan. Um, you know, we can continue to blame him for four years. I, I mean, I don't know if that'll help any. But you know, I, I'm a, uh, yeah, I'm a little worried. I'm, I, I'm a little worried at what we have. I mean, if if uh, if uh, Michael Penix or Penix. <laughs> I love the pause there. If he comes in and if he comes in and beats out Sam, um, you know, are we going to hear? Well, the coach is just familiar with him. He's familiar with the offense. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm a little, uh, yeah, I'm a little, um, a little skeptical so far. Um. So we had a uh, a vote on the boards earlier today for the uh, Hardcore Husky, Husky Player of the Year. And even though I know Fox News already called it, let's get the vote totals here. Ruparaki Flavesh is the Husky of the Year, and he got 52% of the vote. Race Porter, the punter, got 29% in second place. <laughs> Trent McDuffie, who's arguably the best athlete uh, that maybe the Huskies have had in three years or so, uh, got 4%. And then everybody else was 3%, 2%, 1%. So anytime you have a uh, <laughs> a walk-on linebacker who barely played uh, is your MVP and then your punter is second place, that kind of tells the, the tale of the of the uh, of the season, and of course, uh, Ruparaki. He um, he uh, will have to make a holiday out of whatever the date was at the Oregon game because he was the one that got uh, punched by Jimmy Lake, and that kind of set everything in motion uh, for for Lake to get ejected. So separated, didn't strike, separated. <laughs> with a, with a, with a, with a right cross. Separated by Jimmy Lake. Separated yeah, by right Jimmy Separated. That's just that was a story, and he was sticking to it. Oh, uh, Wooly Duke showed me the uh, uh, Jimmy Lake one shining moment the other day that some Oregon fans put together. I mean, that is goddamn hilarious. That's oh, what, that's one of the. Fun- it, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Is it on the boards? I haven't seen that. <laughs> At one point, someone posted it. it. But YouTube, Jimmy Lake, one shining moment. It's, uh, it's oh, pretty it's, brilliant. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, I don't uh, know how, how much it was. I don't know how much it was brought up. Uh, I mean. He's straight up, straight up lying at, at the press conference. Oh, I didn't strike him. I separated him. <laughs> you oh, he was adamant about it. Like, I know he's adamant about it. It's like, uh, <laughs> you can say you separated him while striking. <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> Two things can be true, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So uh, I guess is uh, is there any is there any other aspects of the 2021 season you guys want to discuss before we uh, turn the page on that? I think I've lamented everything you possibly can about the 2020 season, so I think we can I I can bury it myself. <laughs> I feel like it went by a lot quicker than uh, you would think a miserable year would go by. <laughs> Well, once you lose to Montana, I mean, the rest of it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I never even enjoyed the fifty-two to, to the fifty-two to three win over Arkansas State, and and then uh, watching the uh, the articles that would come up in the Seattle media in the following couple of days after that game about you know Lake's got the team back on track and everything, and it's just like. Is you know, not not to be all whatever arrogant or whatever in regards to hardcore husky, but sometimes it seems like we're the 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 lone voice of sanity in the wilderness. Um, and and uh, everything we said basically came to fruition and was proven to be right. So yeah, I mean there was never a maybe the like only enjoyable moment to me was like the, the last play against Stanford to beat Stanford basically. Cause I'm trying mm, to think of what mm. that also to also make the record. I mean, one to beat Stanford. Uh, they've, they've had so much trouble with Stanford. I, I guess the last play of Cal too. If you want to give two things that were enjoyable, we're just, you know, beating Cal and beating Stanford. Cause they hadn't beat either of them since, uh, they had to beat Cal since 2017. They had to beat Stanford since 2018. And, you know, Stanford, they, you know, they've rarely beaten Stanford. So, I mean, that was it, – it seemed like – I think they would have made them, like, in Pac-12, they were, like, 2-2 two and two or 3-2 and two possibly at that moment. And you kind of thought, you know, we knew things were fucked. But for a second there, you were kind of like – you kind of forget because of the way things went after that. You were like – you know, Oregon kind of sucks, and, you know, the Pac-12 kind of sucks. At that point, you were like, they could somehow maybe win the conference. Uh, and it clearly did not well, happen. Uh, you know, Race Bandit had a, a new theory every week. He'd roll out about how the Huskies could still win the North. And everybody <laughs> would be uh, everybody would be uh, eating crow over Jimmy Lake. But... <clears throat> It is not impossible that they could not have, as bad as they were, it is not impossible that they could have not have won at least the North. Uh, if Travis Dye gets hurt, they may have won. <laughs> they would beat Oregon, and then they possibly could have mm. momentum to beat ASU or Colorado. They were not beating the Cougs. I don't think so. It is not impossible that they would not have finished the season uh, with a decent record. But that is only because of how bad the Pac-12 was. Uh in my humble opinion. Even with Travis Dye out completely, the Huskies don't win that game. There's just Meathead would have figured out a way. <laughs> I don't think he would have. I, I he <laughs> literally meet Travis Dye has I think it's pulverized insides because he had no other option. I I think that was at least offensively, they might have won like fourteen to thirteen or something, but like they didn't have any other options on offense. 
But that's, that's well, one specific game. We don't need to get into the weeds of a game that they lost on a – they lost anyways. Well, and then, you know, tonight was, was supposed to be kind of uh, structured around us watching the Holiday Bowl and making comments as, as uh, you know, UCLA was playing NC State, and uh, obviously that game got canceled due to COVID. And um, But is, is there anything – <laughs> What the hell? Yep. Uh, I was going to make a Bill Fleeter joke, but it's not funny, so I won't. But um, (laughs) anyways. uh, uh... (laughs) What's that? I got the memo. I got the memo. (laughs) Uh, So basically, you know, the bowl games for the postseason are dropping like flies due to to COVID stuff. And – but do you guys have any general thoughts about either the the playoffs as they set up, or or just the the impact that COVID's had on the uh, on the playoffs and or on the uh, on the postseason? And uh, uh, Basie, what what are you thinking there? Um, gosh, uh, <laughs> um, I I just I uh, haven't been a big fan of uh, the way the uh, things are set up. I mean, they're first of all they're obviously there are too many bowl games and the whole playoff system is screwed up. Um, and, uh, as for, for the COVID stuff, uh, um, I, I'm burned out from it personally, but I, I think we just need to <laughs> just need to fucking fucking get on with our lives and, and fucking play games, you know? Um, and we were talking about healthy young, you know, 18 to 22 year olds here. And I don't know why we're so concerned about um, maybe I'm being insensitive of why are we so concerned about them getting COVID? I mean, they, they usually recover really well. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, are these players being hospitalized or. Um, no, just, you'd hear about it. Yeah. Oh, I just don't. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's uh, it's beyond ridiculous, and uh, you know, uh, with all the precautions and everything, people are still getting it, and and, and I don't want to get political with it. I'm just, you know, uh, all the precautions, all the vaccines, all the masking, and all this stuff, and people are still getting it, and you know, and now we've gotten to to the point where you know, uh, yeah, the the numbers are are high of people getting COVID, but. Uh, who's being hospitalized, who's dying, you know, I mean, it's, it's becoming uh, less and less dangerous and let's just go, let's go fucking play. And uh, the rest of it, I mean, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, obviously, but um, uh, going back to the whole playoff system, it it should be maybe uh, set up like, uh, you know, uh, FCS. Uh, I just, you know, uh, the way it's set up right now, I don't like it. It's either go, either go back to old, you know, bowl game system or or go to a real playoff. And and uh, you know, uh, I just really haven't enjoyed football since we went to this modified uh, playoff system. And uh, but that's that's just me. I don't know if anybody else really enjoys uh, the way it's set up right now. So. Well, you know, Race Bannon made a comment a few years ago on the boards, and he was talking about something else, but uh, it's something that stuck with me because I think it's a really great way to look at a lot of things in our lives. 
But it's like, <clears throat> you know, uh, smartphones come out. Uh, the iPhone comes out around 2009, I think. Um, it becomes a, a, a hot commodity right away. It gets, you know, version 3, version 4, version 5. And by the time you get version 7, version 8, it's really dialed in. There's, a, there's really cool features on it. Um, it, it really works well. It revolutionizes uh, communication and, and the way that we organize our that... lives. And and then you get into versions 9 and 10 and 11, and now everything, you, you're just overloading it with so much fancy stuff that it's it, it, it just – it's too much, you know, and I think that a lot of that can be said about the, you know, the kind of the fiat society that, that we, we live in. It's like everything always has to be uh, improved and added to and added to and added to. And then I think there's a, there's a, a point of oversaturation that you reach with just about anything. And I, and I look at that with the way that the, the college football and the bowl season and the postseason and everything, it's, um, I don't want to sound like the old guy yelling at the cloud and longing and yearning for the days of just, you know, the 32 bowl games and, and the mythical national champion. Um, because I did like how they tried to bring what, number one and number two together with the BCS uh, title games, you know, 15 years ago and that kind of thing. But uh, the way that the playoffs now are just diluting and then you've got these six and six teams playing each other in the Bahamas on December 17th or whatever. And, um, it it it, lo- it just loses its meaning, you know. Like we've well, we've always said about Rick Riz, where the Mariners broadcaster that's been there for 800 years, where he always has a kind word to say about everybody and always praises everyone as being the best. And and when you praise everyone as the best, then it doesn't mean anything at all. Um, it's all watered down. And hopefully, you guys can see what I'm getting at with those various uh, comparisons and analogies and stuff. But um, that's just, that's my take on it. And now the N, NIL thing, and it's just like the horses are completely out of the barn now. Um, and it's not like I'm completely against players, you know, being part of a system where they're generating millions and millions of dollars of revenue and, you know, not being able to share in that. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be able to share in that, but the way that it's, the way that it's kind of unraveling right now, we're basically going to get into a situation where there's five or six super teams or whatever, basically what we have now, but even augmented every further. And then the, and the university of Washington that really hasn't played to win in a, quite a long time. Um, you know, with, <laughs> I was going to make a Karen ramming joke, but you know, she's probably <laughs> tweeting right now about some, you know, sprinkled pretzel chocolate mix thing or something, you know, <laughs> it's and meanwhile Oregon's you know offering uh, ten million dollar contracts to uh, some three star quarterback from uh, San Diego or something. But I don't know. So I, I just feel like the Washingtons of the world are going to get further and further behind. I'm frustrated both at, at what I see out of UW and also just what I see across the college football landscape. If anybody wants to uh, respond to my rambling there. I've got the uh, UCLA statement on the Holiday Bowl. Uh, Their inability to play was due to protocols in place and not the virus itself. So what the fuck does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah, I don't know. What, What does that mean? It's due to the protocols, not the virus itself. Translation, football is dead on the West Coast. I mean, wow. 
not a, not enough masks to go around. Um, you think the players are rebelling against uh, like mandated boosters or something? Well, I let's mean, see what, here. what what could it what could it be? And it says here in an ESPN article that NC State is really pissed off about this. Yeah. They felt like they didn't find out till today. So it was 3:30 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> oh. Oh. Wow. 12:30. So 12:30 our time they found out all of them. Wow. Well, this is interesting. It says this is from ESPN. It says, though UCLA did have multiple players not make the trip to San Diego for COVID-19 reasons, Wolfpack coach Dave Doran said nobody at NC State knew UCLA was dealing with more COVID-19 issues once the Bruins arrived in town to begin preparations for the game. Wow. So it was just dumped on them at the last second. Chips always one step ahead. <laughs> You're in the hurry up COVID. No huddle COVID. Hurry up to no huddle COVID. <laughs> he figured they were going to lose, and he was like, well, we'll just back out the last second blend COVID. <laughs> he got the, oh, wow, uh, the... He, he got the testing chain gang out quickly. <laughs> Get going. Go, 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 go. Mark it, mark it. <laughs> the NC State coach says that he feels like he's really lied to them. Um, well, you say like always sure been a little did. fraud, so yeah. nothing new. Yeah. And uh, I could read more, but I don't want to bore the audience. But, huh. Well, that's interesting. Well, as we as we make the turn and head down the stretch here of the show, uh, is there any other uh, things that you guys want to talk about? Bowl, bowl season or spring football or anything like that? Yeah, might uh, we might do a um, might do a bus trip to the spring game. So, mm. um, keep everybody posted on that. Oh, Joey, we got to do your all fake tough guy team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if you're ready, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, I might, when, I, uh, yeah, uh, so when I'm editing this, this I'm a, I'll even maybe try to round up some music or a drum roll or something. But go ahead. Uh, so when I, when I pop up names, obviously you guys can. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a, you know a couple seconds to comment or whatever. I just uh, uh, so I, I basically just had one award for a fake tough guy and. Um, and then I had a bunch of honorees, you know, like, uh, uh, but I guess like, uh, you know, shout out to John Madden, rest in peace, like an all Madden mm. team. You know, I, I don't think he really had like, a, it was, I mean, he had him by positions or whatever, but I mean, it was just like guys he liked, you know, like, boom, you know, this guy, this guy carries his lunch pail to practice every day, you know, but, uh, these guys, um, these guys you'd never carry, you'd never walk into a dark alley with, you know, if you're getting into a rumble. 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah, the the main award, I think, uh, I think it's obviously going to be. It should be annually named this award, the uh, the Jimmy Lake Fake Tough Guy Award. <laughs> goes to you know, goes to Jimmy Lake. I mean, who else would get this award this year? You know, uh, with the run the damn ball hat. <laughs> Is this where we call him up to the stage? Uh, yeah, Jimmy couldn't make, Jimmy couldn't make it tonight. He's so his douchebag uh, brother will be up. <laughs> no, his uh, uh, where it is. Jimmy's in his in his uh, garage, locked with his uh, Hellcat running. No. <laughs> <laughs> Too dark. You know what? <laughs> That that was a this was even before we knew what a what a disaster it was going to be. I always thought that was such a pathetic picture. It was like a teenager with his new car. Yeah, pretty dorky. Dorky is uh, a good word. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So the, anyways, uh, my you know my fake tough guy uh, honorees team members. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got I got I got Jaden Delora. Uh, yeah, your name's Jaden. <laughs> that's, that's it. Your name's Jaden, pal. So, uh, and then uh, you guys got anything on Jaden Delora? I I think he, if he does not get his comeuppance from Husky football, you know, we might as well bury Husky football. Uh, yeah, I just, I mean, the whole thing is kind of an aside too of the, I'm probably on social media more than you guys are of what I've seen like that Cougar team kind of just like chirping about that game. It's just kind of the ultimate insult to their own program of like, dude, you guys won the game against a team without a coach who was the world most like literally did not even want to be there. And, you know, you now are acting like you climbed the mountain. So uh, I hope he, I, I really hope they can get his own comeuppance. Uh, you know, in the next couple of years, and they should be able to, because I mean, yeah, he's like a small. He he's not bad, but he's a small punk. Okay, I got uh, Max Borgie. <laughs> well, the night the I ninth mean, year running back out of WSU. <laughs> uh, just I'll like, say- oh, I hate the color. I hate the color purple. Oh, I, I hey, I can't look at the color purple. It's like, shut up. <laughs> was that the 2018 or 19 Apple Cup where he made that like press conference thing where he said like I don't know but like I'm gonna be scoring a lot and then he walked off and then he proceeded to like not score like have like 12 yards on my like, 15 carries and they lost <laughs> you know when both teams were trying to win That's the right. game and he he just got completely owned and then everyone owned him and now like. Now he's like trying to like pop off about it. It's like, dude, no, you you went toe to toe. You put your cards you went on one the table. And three or... <laughs> yeah, you put your cards on the table. You doubled down and you fucking lost horribly. Like, just take your fucking win and be happy with it. I'm happy for you in to, in a way, but please kindly shut the fuck up. No one like you can't even believe that yourself. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, Dick Dick Newton. No, Dick, you didn't almost break that for a touchdown. 
You got arm tackled. <laughs> Don't get up from the pile and put your you know your fist down towards the ground and your head up and go like oh like you almost made something like you didn't you didn't almost break that run. <laughs> Anything on Dick Newton? Oh. <laughs> I don't know if he's a fake tough guy, but I know exactly what you're talking about there. And at the same time, you know, if I'm uh, if you know, a 20-year-old me was, in, I was going to say in front of 70,000 fans, but uh, in front of 30,000 fans and uh, uh, – fell short on in trying to do something on a certain play. I don't know how I would respond either knowing that people are watching, but still waiting for the name Mario Cristobal to come up, but <laughs> <laughs> didn't make the list. Oh, wow. He actually told... did what I thought he would never do. He actually went to Miami. I thought he was too chicken shit to go to Miami. I was thinking more in lines of his comment to his team about how the you know the Huskies were like every, represent everything that's wrong college football, but uh, maybe he's right though. Just... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, he might, he might be. Let's be honest with ourselves. <laughs> he might be, but he did. He did call. He did call the Peterson staff racist, basically. <laughs> like that's like. Like what a dirt bag. Uh I got uh okay, I got I got Mark Redman. Uh you transferred to San Diego State, you dick. So um yeah, and you and your your one catch career <laughs> that, that we'll all miss. How does that make um, him a big tough guy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he transferred out. Fuck him. I'm confused by this out. one. Anybody, anybody who transfers out, fuck them. Well, I don't know how that makes well, him a fake it? tough guy. I mean, he never Wouldn't struck that... me as a guy who was trying to be tough. Because I made the list. <laughs> <laughs> you okay, kind of Dr. Dis- Fauci. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I get to move the goal co- goalposts, all right? Joey is. is the science. Okay, well, well, uh, I'll uh, I'll highlight. I'll highlight Mark Redman as. as, I don't. uh, Here's the deal. He's under proto. He's under protocol. Here's the deal. For our next episode, you could you could unveil your all fuck off team or something, and then there's a catch all for you. Okay. Well. Okay. Big tough guys. <laughs> I got the entire. I got the entire offensive line. Okay. <laughs> so they. Suck. You know what? A, a couple of them might even privately agree with you there. <laughs> okay. I got. I got Thibodeau. Obviously <laughs> obligated. Uh, never a more hyped player in college football. Uh, Jay, Jalen Red, because you got your ass fucking owned by Rupaki Fui, and it started talking <laughs> shit to him. 
which which did you know, uh, help help us save save uh, save the program. But you know, you know maybe we need to like do a, a Jalen Red. Maybe we need a Jalen Red statue too. I said that. Yeah. I mean, I, thank oh, God he you? came back for. His, yeah. What well, I, I think I posted. You know, thank God he came back for his seventh year uh, <laughs> to do that because I I don't think he did anything else all year. So thank you, Jalen Jalen Red. Okay, uh, I got I got whoever uh, whoever said the podcasts were jarring, quote unquote. Uh, I, I would say, okay, I would say annoying, maybe, but jarring. My fucking mom doesn't use the word jarring. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Been... The, the comment was how we were talking all on top of each other at the same time, and and so it was like. In terms of the audible quality of it, well, th- does this person like close their eyes, flinch, and start like go- going like, oh, go, <laughs> like, jarring, really, Ir- irritated, annoyed, okay, jarring. But how is that jarring. a tough guy? <laughs> jarring. Maybe it's just a guy I could never hang out with. <laughs> well, that's another list. Joey's okay. list of guys uh, got... you could never hang out with. <laughs> okay, I got uh, okay, Chip I got, I got Chip it I got the last Chip, one. Kim Jilong. The, <laughs> the, the last one I got is uh, pretty recent. It's uh, Diamante Trianum or the running back from uh, ASU that transferred to Ohio State to be a linebacker. <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> you're just gonna go. You're just gonna go freeload off of some uh, bigger and better program to be a backup linebacker, likely. Well, he's probably got a one in three chance of winning the Natty next year. So, anyways, if if I left anybody out. Uh, let me know. <laughs> maybe maybe H Husky. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. TTJ. Because <laughs> we know he's listening. <clears throat> yeah, he says it's unlistenable. <laughs> Listens every time. <laughs> Listens every time to tell us it's, it's unlistenable. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay, I got a couple of awards for you guys. Okay. Oh, what what were you going to say? Oh, no, no, go ahead. Uh, I got the uh, Even Eklund Has Better Info Than You Award goes to Fudgy. (laughs) (laughs) That's the third year in a row he's won that. (laughs) Uh, uh, If you didn't have us, you'd have nobody. Also goes to Fudgy. (laughs) <laughs> and I got to I got to kind of uh I I got to I got to uh give a shout out to Road Dog cuz he was like foreshadowing on one of the threads uh, cuz he said uh something about uh uh Rome and uh, Dunsey and McMillan uh 
piss him off so much, but he can't quit them. And I had already written down the broke back mountain. I can't quit you award goes to Jalen McMillan. Because <laughs> <laughs> as, as pissed off as we are about Jalen McMillan, now we, we have a visions of a new offense and we're like, Oh, what would Jalen McMillan do in this offense? <laughs> we're okay, ready you know for what? him to transfer. We're ready for him to transfer out. <laughs> Don't say that because there'll, there'll be a portal uh, headline like on Thursday or something, right? But here, here's yeah. something I'm gonna um, I'm gonna draw a quick comparison to between Jalen McMillan though and Sam Heward, because Jalen McMillan, who so many times would not uh, fight for those fifty-fifty balls and, and and seem to give up on routes, but you see so much potential there, are so many flashes of brilliance. And then you don't mm-hmm. see that with Sam Heward, and those are the same types of flashes of brilliance that you wish you could see with Sam Heward is all I guess I want to add to that. Yeah. You, you see something with McMillan, so. Okay, I got uh, the worst prediction is uh, me for the 11 and 2 record. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan Leaf predicted 12 and 0. Yeah, that's true, but I I, I generally got to find a way to shit on myself. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the awards I have. Uh, that's the the rest of the awards I have, other than the uh, the player of the year. Uh, was looking like it was going to be Sean McGrew just, just based on, just based on him never playing when we <laughs> until Fui Vice ripped it out from underneath him and ran away with it. Well, here's the thing also with McGrew is that when he did play, it would be up the middle on first down and into a, right. a, a wall of humanity. So, the, the, and they never used him right when they did play him. So that whole thing is just a kind of goes into Woe's, the Leon Neal category of what might have been type of thing. <clears throat> what was uh, do you guys have a, like a most memorable offensive play of the year? Is it positive or negative? <laughs> it can be both because mine's negative. <laughs> well, does the Oregon punt over the uh, snap over the head count with an offensive play, or is that a special team play? Uh, or even deciding to I... a punt down by down by ten or eight or whatever. Mine is mine is that. Uh... Mine is that like botched handoff fumble that you picked up. It was like, what the fuck are we? What are we doing? Which one? It's just so depressing. The uh, the botched uh, the like ASU. the botched ASU is like a botched fumble pitch, and uh, you know just bobbling around and and a uh, oh I remember died. now picks it yeah. up and runs it down to like the four yard line or whatever. They were up by like or, 10 or the, at that point too. Oh God, it's just, it was just another, 
just <clears> another <throat> sign like this team can't can't get out of its own damn way. Okay, we're down thirteen to seven to Montana. There's like a minute and a half to two minutes to go. And it's something like fourth and eight on our own no, it was around midfield, I think. And uh and I'm thinking to myself, are we really gonna lose to Montana? This is where we get a thirty yard completion on fourth down and then we go in and score, right? Are we really gonna lose this game? And then um and then Morris throwing the ball right to right into the hands of the uh, Montana linebacker. And uh it was there's like my play of the year. Coverage. <laughs> yeah. It was like triple coverage. I don't think that was even fourth down. So it didn't make – I think that was like – it might have even been second, which makes that play so much worse is that it was not like, you know, I don't think it was fourth down where you're like, well, you just got to throw something. Uh, I feel like it was maybe even third. Um, Speaking of which, my – like that ASU play, which, yeah, I think they were up by – there was like – it was definitely deep second half and they were like up by 10 and you're like the Huskies were, and they're like, Oh, if they can literally just like grind some stuff out, they could maybe at least be in the game against ASU or final play. <laughs> and that happened. Uh, mine play like that is against Oregon. Speaking of Dylan Morris and triple coverage, I think they were still up nine to three or something. And they had the ball like at the Oregon 45, and like first down and Morris threw in the triple coverage for like one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen to a guy. It was so bad. A guy who had like a giant club on his hand caught it. Uh, and you were just like, I don't even know what to say about that. Like that was like, the Oh, official. I remember that. Yeah. You were like, <clears throat> like huh? Like how, how does that even, how does that, like, how do you throw that? That's mine. And let's see here. Um, I was looking for something else. I was looking trying to find that Montana thing, but it says here, here's something I posted on August 1st, and it said three teams the Huskies will blow out in 2021, and it was from a, an article from SaturdayBlitz.com, and I don't know what this is going to say, so let's just go read it real quick. Oh. The three teams, we would blow out Arkansas State, which we did. We would blow out Cal, which we did not. <laughs> And we would blow out Arizona, which we did not. Oh my God! But that was well, three of our four wins. <laughs> yeah, at least they. Uh, yeah. At least they didn't put Montana. I mean, at least they beat. They did beat all of those teams. To be fair, to to be fair to the author. <laughs> not easily. I think uh, my defensive, my most memorable defensive play. Um, there's some recency bias, but it's got to be uh, Asa Turner, Asa Turner's um, burning desire to get blocked in the apple cut. <laughs> oh my run, God! When he runs right into that blocker. <laughs> Baze, did you ever see that? I yeah, I saw that on the board. Yeah, it was pretty okay, yeah. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kept watching it over and over again, expecting him yes. to do something different, but it just, he kept doing the same shitty thing. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was pretty bad. Yeah. I think I posted it and never in my whole life have I ever seen that anywhere on any level. <clears throat> well, he did, he's, he's got one or two of those plays every single game. I, I 
makes you question if the uh, um, the defensive coaches even watched film last year post game. That was it. Was one of you guys? It was at Road Dog, right? That that predicted. I think it was. <coughs> was it you, Wooly, that predicted that Asa Turner <clears throat> would end up being like at least honorable mention All Pac-12 or something because he gets the late game interceptions? That I think was Joey. Me. I think that was actually Joey. Yeah. Oh, Joey. Okay. <laughs> I said uh, All Pac-12 second team, <laughs> and I think he got a. I think he got honorable mention, right? He was like, like it was three, like three or four picks. Well, well, basically, PFF off those hail marys to end games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never been so depressed about a correct prediction in my entire life. <laughs> it was actually pretty funny. I I I said it. Half kiddingly, but you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, uh, you know, I could see this actually happening because, <laughs> you know, it depends on who's voting for it—a writer or a, um, you know, writer's secretary that doesn't know what they're looking at. Or it's just laziness. You look at who the stat leaders are. Oh, he's he's got five interceptions. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So. Well, do we have any final thoughts before we call it a night? Anything um, else we want to talk about? My favorite defensive play of the year was <laughs> with Oregon State. When the Huskies went up in the fourth quarter, I think it was after the big defensive Tuatelli play, and Oregon State got the ball back, and you were like, you're still somewhat invested in the season. You're like, all right, Huskies get a stop here. Uh, they probably get this game. And then Oregon State hit, like, a really big pass to a guy named Anthony Gould. <laughs> I don't know why that's picture <laughs> name. <laughs> Anthony Gould. <laughs> kind of sounds like an accountant. <clears throat> yeah. Sounds like a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, Chad Johnson, T.J. Hushmanzada, Brandon Cooks, James Rogers, Anthony Gould. <laughs> Gould. He Gould them. <laughs> One of them doesn't belong. One of them doesn't belong. Oh, man. Okay, well, I think probably a good spot to wrap it up then. Uh, we'll we'll reconvene in a few weeks here. <coughs> and uh, Bay, thanks for joining us tonight. Well, thanks for uh, letting me drag down your pod, but uh, uh, we'll <laughs> it <Drag> down. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hu- hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is which is a shit show of politics and strange news. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level, level of cyber...
Peyote. Peyote. Come join Swain's Wigwarm. I'm going to have to read this over. Sway's Wigwam, yeah. Sway's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. I'll have to read that one, but... <laughs> 